Amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, why don't you turn around, just give someone a high five this morning before you grab a seat. All right, well, I don't know about you, but hearing um, Susie and then, um, thank you, honey, as you wish. Where did I learn that from? Um, so, I mean, this is what happens at home, basically, you know, water, no, no, oh, stop. All right, Jesus, Jesus, come back, come back, God. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, we are <laughs> completely lost where I'm up to. Uh, after hearing Susie and then also Cooper speak, I just think, man, the incredible young people that God has placed around us in our church family. Um, and um, let, I'll just let you know, in a few weeks' time, actually, Susie's going to be preaching her first uh, message with us on a Sunday morning. So don't go away. Don't, don't go anywhere, but stick around. It's, isn't it just awesome, eh? Like, I'm encouraged when I hear younger people than me. I mean, I'm pretty young, really, but hearing younger people than me with, with such courage and faith. So, you know, at the moment this morning, we hear a little bit about fearless faith from Cooper, and I want to share a message around fearless faith uh, because we know that the world is full of uncertainty and the world is shaking and the world is so uncertain and there's so much fear in our world at the moment. There's so many things happening but yet, as believers, God has called us, I think, 100 or 1,000, 1,800 and something times to fear not in the Bible. So we're called not to fear. That is our mandate as a believer. But the truth is, is that there's so many things we could be fearful of. There's so many things that we could worry about. Worry about tomorrow. Worry about our job. Worry about our loved ones. Worried about just where the next pay is coming from. There's so many things that we can be fearful of. But God has commanded us to fear not and to have a fearless faith. So there's two types of fear. There's fear that's healthy fear, like a reverence for God, uh, being in awe of God. And then there's a second type of fear, and that is what is called the spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So the spirit of fear doesn't come from God. Uh, Psalm 56.11 says, In God I trust I will not be afraid. What can mere men do to me? So regardless of what happens, we can trust in God. But our faith is the key to overcoming our fear. And the truth is we can't get rid of fear altogether. We can't uh, live in a world where we're bubble wrapped and we don't experience the things we experience. As you've heard today from Cooper, things happen in our life. But we can overcome the fear when we choose to step into our faith. Uh, and we were putting this message together early in the week, um, Pastor Jody and myself and a few of the others, and just thinking through, you know, how do you, how do you have a fearless faith? And I don't think it's necessarily the absence of fear. It's that even though there is fear, is that you choose to walk through it with the faith that you have one day at a time and allowing God to build that faith. Uh, and I think the phrase we came up with is, faith is built by the practice of being fearless. By being fearless, you know, every day just choosing to be a bit more fearless in the face of everything uh, that is happening. So I want to look this morning at the faith of the Canaanite woman um, in Matthew 15. And she's got an amazing example of being fearless in her faith. And this is a story of a desperate parent. Any desperate? No, don't put your hands up. Uh, desperate parent. And she was going through desperate things. And she was from a non-Jewish region. Um, but she somehow encounters this Jesus 
uh, and has this amazing story to tell that's recorded in all scripture for us to hear. So we'll pick up the story, uh, Matthew 15 and verse 21. So if you've got a Bible or if you want to read along on the screens. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. You know, this mum, she was absolutely desperate. Uh, Her daughter was demon-possessed. And I can't even begin to imagine what that would have been like or how you would cope with that sort of situation or, or what you would what would be happening, what you'd see in front of you or how you would handle that physically and emotionally. Um, I mean, man, I feel like my kids are possessed sometimes. But there's, you know, there's just, even when they get sick, I'm like, oh, Jesus. But, you know, things come up in their lives and they're probably not that, really that big. But even that stuff can shake you a bit as a parent. But trying to think if your child was demon, and this woman's child was demon-possessed and suffering terribly, Gosh, what would you do? You know, what measures would you take? You'd you'd probably do whatever it took. You'd try everything that you could. And for this woman, from a non-Jewish background, probably didn't know much about about, about the Bible or about Jesus, but somehow it heard she was willing to do whatever it took. She was desperate enough to come to Jesus. Uh, And that is the attitude that she had. Um, You know, you would do anything to help. We would do anything to help our kids. That's the truth. We'd do whatever it takes. You know, if they were sick, if there was something wrong, we would do whatever it takes, and we would get desperate like this woman would. In the Passion Translation, it says that she screamed out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. So the stakes were so high for her. She knew that she needed. She probably tried a lot of things, but she knew that this could be the chance that something could change. Uh, But then things take an interesting turn, and it's not this usual response that we have from Jesus. The Bible says that he didn't answer her even a word. Jesus acted like she wasn't even there. He acted like he didn't even hear her. And if that was you or me, you know, if that was us, we'd probably be a little bit taken back in what we'd heard. Or maybe even our faith would be shaken a bit in this Jesus that we'd heard of. Having an experience when you're crying out and there's just this silence and there's nothing and you're thinking, what's going on? I don't know if you've had a moment in your faith where you've been shaken because you'd heard something about God, but then that wasn't the experience you had. Or you'd heard something about church and that wasn't the experience you had. Or you'd heard something about Jesus could do something, but it didn't happen for you and your faith was shaken and you would be left, you know, wondering and asking the questions, what is this really all about? But what we need to see here is that despite what it looked like, Jesus wasn't actually ignoring this woman or being mean. It's more that he could see this rare treasure of faith in her life, and he was both testing her and patiently digging something out of her. I think this is such an interesting image of God. You know, we 
He saw what no one else could see in her. He brought out the best part of her life. Meanwhile, the disciples, on the other hand, if they were being tested, they failed miserably. Like, just a total bomb out on the test. Like, this woman's coming up, and they're just like, shoo, get out of here. What are you doing? They're like sending her away. Um, You get this picture a little bit of sometimes as a Christian, some of the things that we do out of ignorance or whatever, going, oh, no, I can't be bothered, or just get out of my life, oh, just leave me alone. You know, and that was their response, and their response for compassion was so bad. But yet Jesus could see there was something happening in this woman's life. So when it comes to us, you know, there's probably sometimes these tests that happen. And I wonder whether we're passing the test well, looking for this, you know, great faith, or whether we fail the test miserably. I know I do all the time, but this is a little bit of what's going on. She had no right, you know, to ask this Jewish man for help. She knew that she had no basis for expecting him to respond, but she had heard that Jesus was a miracle worker. Somehow she had heard that he had, that he was mighty and compassionate, and she was desperate enough that she carries on her request. But Jesus is silent. When the disciples urged him to send her away, what does she do? Verse 25, we see that she came and she knelt down before him and said, Lord, help me. You know, kneeling, we've been talking last week a little bit about this, kneeling before God is an act of surrender. It's an act of desperation. It's an act of worship. It's a way to really kind of submit everything in our lives to God. It's almost like we come to the end of our intelligence, our emotion, our everything, and we just come into that place where we lay it all aside on our knees. It's like a, it's, a, it's that physical act that just brings all of our will and all of our ability before God and says, okay, God, I've tried it, but I, I need you right here. Kneeling is an act of worship. The King James Version actually says that she came and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. So the Canaanite woman came with great humility and reverence and knelt down and she worshipped him. And then, watch this, Jesus spoke to the woman and said, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. You've got to think about that statement for a second. And on the surface, it seems really insulting. Like, if you read that for what it is, you kind of think, man, Jesus called her a dog. Like, you know, have you ever been called a, a dog? Like, what kind of statement is Jesus making here? But the thing is, is this lady would have known what he was saying. Um, in the Greek, um, a little bit of a lesson uh, is that there's, in the Greek, there's two words for dog. So the first word is like a, a scavenging, kind of roaming uh, dog that no one owns, that's kind of roaming the streets uh, as, as one type of word or a stray dog, old stray dog. And the word that Jesus used here is not that word. He uses the word little dog as in like a family pet. And so he terms this dog, this little dog, that's the word he actually uses here. So rather than insulting the woman, which seems like on the surface, he was actually giving her a bit of a doorway of hope. Because if you think about it, a little dog, a family pet, has a master. A little dog in the house, and if you've got pets and you've got dogs or you're a pet owner, you know what I'm talking about. Little dogs, they have an owner. And when we go camping every year down in the Coromandel, there's a whole lot of families come together and some of them have dogs. And when the dogs are there and it's dinner time after the barbecue, they're like sitting around. It's like Christmas time all over again for them. And they sit there with their tongues out and their eyes just looking up at you. And you can't, if you're eating your meal, you're almost obliged to leave a little bit of the sausage just so you don't be like, oh, I'm not feeding you. So you kind of always leave a little bit just for these, you know, these little puppy faces that are there. But this is kind of the picture of what's happening here is that he's actually giving her a little bit of an olive branch. You know, so in some ways we could read this and go, man, he's just discarding her. But actually he's opening the door to this non-Jewish 
lady who has great faith and he can see that, but he's wanting to pull her in to the story. And it's amazing how this conversation goes. So he uses this word and she latches on. She's in there. She can sense that there's hope for her situation. She's already figured out that silence doesn't necessarily mean no. You know, Jesus never actually said no. He didn't discard her. He didn't say no. She knew that. And now she can see that there's a doorway. So she's in there as quick as a dash. You've got to give it to this woman. She's courageous. She's persistent. And she's smart. And she realized that this pet dog has a master. So she says even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She's willing to beg and she's willing to make eye contact and willing to have the crumbs. But ultimately the key is she's willing, she's willing to be in that place of being God. I need you. I need you. I wonder whether the last time we were in a place where we were willing to say, God, I need you. I really, really need you for the situation. So she was convinced about the power of Jesus to heal and only needed one crumb's worth of it. She didn't need a whole loaf. She didn't need a whole slice. What she needed wouldn't rob or deprive the Jews. If he was talking about bread, then she was asking no more than the smallest crumb that anybody else wanted. She said, don't give me the children's bread. Just let me pick up the crumb that's fallen from the floor, a crumb of your blessing, a crumb of your power that's enough for me. She believed that the tiniest little crumb of what Jesus had was more than enough power to heal her daughter. The smallest crumb was more than enough power to heal her daughter. If you think about that, and I think a lot of the times in the way we live in our, maybe the Western church, we think we need a lot of power just to do the smallest stuff. But here she is going, I just need the smallest crumb to do this huge thing, to deliver her daughter of a demon, you know, demon possession, all that stuff, all that stuff to do a huge thing. She just needed the crumb. Man, that's, if you let that get to your heart, you think about it, man, sometimes I think I need the biggest amount of God, the biggest amount of faith, you know, the longest prayer just to overcome a small problem. But she's throwing that all around and saying, no, I just need the crumb, just need the smallest amount of faith to overcome a huge problem. That's the power of God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, he just, there's just that small amount of faith, small amount of power to overcome any situation that we may be facing in our lives. And that's, what, that's when Jesus said those beautiful words that were recorded for all the world to read. Woman, you have great faith. Uh, you know, Jesus records in the scriptures, uh, I think it says oligopistos, which means ye of little faith. And, but in this passage, it's recorded as pistos, as in great faith. You know, and there's that difference there. Are we, are we those of the little faith or are we of those of great faith? And I want to be like this lady in the story. I want to be like that. I want to be someone that has great faith. I want to be someone that, you know, doesn't necessarily need to wait around for a huge amount. I just need that smaller bit of faith that's going to do it for me. And so her request was granted. Her daughter was healed from that very hour. And I just love that. I love that this lady had such great faith. And remember, she wasn't a Jew. She wasn't brought up knowing all about the Messiah. She'd simply heard that Jesus did miracles, which, by the way, we need to tell people today that Jesus does miracles. We sang it this morning that bodies are still being raised and giants are still being slayed. We've heard from Cooper that God still moves in our lives today. You know, how do people know unless someone tells them? So, you know, these are the moments where we need to share what Jesus is doing. So her faith was great for the little amount of light and truth that she had been given. 
You know, she used every ounce of faith that she had to come to Jesus and persist until she got her miracle. And, and I think maybe when I was looking at this, maybe there's people here today that, you know, you're persisting for a miracle. You've been persisting. Come on, God, I need this. You've been persisting. And this story speaks a lot about being willing to just keep persisting, being persistent in our prayer life, being persistent in reading the Word of God, being persistent in pursuing God and going after that miracle, you know, not giving up. She didn't let fear of failure or fear of what others would say stop her. She had fearless faith and let that, and that fearless faith got her the result she so desperately needed. I, I wonder sometimes whether we get really close to the result we need but in the process, we get distracted or in the process, we just start believing that, oh, I don't deserve that. Or something comes up and we just get sidetracked believing for that answer that we need. But I think we need to let this story encourage us that we can press on and receive everything that we need. So not only was her daughter healed, but she encountered Jesus the Messiah for herself. Now she was, he was her savior. And this is the kind of faith that is fearless. Faith, faith in Hebrews 11 says... Uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The dictionary defines faith as complete trust in someone or something. You know, faith is as assured as our kids knowing that we're going to feed them dinner at night most of the time. Faith is as sure as knowing that every morning Katie wakes up, I'm going to make her coffee. Faith is as sure as knowing that, you know, uh, that, that when we... Faith is, is so solid, you know, it's like just knowing the All Blacks are going to win. There's faith, you know, sorry for everybody else, other South Africans here, I know, but faith, faith is like guaranteed. I mean, faith is so sure. You know, there's, it's almost like there's nothing as dependable as Jesus. There's nothing as dependable as God. I think that this whole COVID thing has shown us that things are so fragile. Things are so, can just be shaken just like that. I've ne- you know, none of us will probably live again, maybe, but none of us will maybe live again to see something in the whole world shift so fast. You know, even, even in the church, you know, we went one week from gathering to the next week, like, can I meet in home groups and watch the message to actually just, just turn up in your home? You know, the shift was so quick into that, that you just think, God, oh, everything, you know, and then there's people's jobs and livelihoods and working from home and school from home. Things shifted so fast that you think actually the only thing stable here, the only thing consistent is Jesus. The only thing that is consistent in our lives is our faith in God. That's the only thing that you can absolutely rely on. You know, even um, Katie was making something the other day at home and you put all the ingredients in and, and, out, and you hope that out comes the right thing. But even with all the ingredients, things can still go wrong. You know, not that her cooking, I mean, her thing came out perfect. Um, whatever she was made. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. You're missing the point here. Hold on. Oh, I'm just going to take a drink. All right. All right. Have a laugh at my expense. Okay, that was not intended. So what I was trying to say, put all the ingredients in. And if you're lucky, like Katie, you'll make a perfect whatever cake and things like that. But more dependable than that... <coughs> is that there is nothing else where, you know, this book here, this is the only reliable data in your life. You know, you can, man, you can take all the stats you want from Facebook. You can take the, the analogy or the, you can analyze everything. 
in the stock market. You can look on house prices and make the best call. Nothing as reliable as the data in this book. This is the only thing that will be consistent enough to point you in the right direction. You can, you know, we can try in our own strength to, to make it as we want, but only Jesus is consistent. He's the only one that will deliver time and time and time and time again in your life, whether it's money, whether it's relationships, whether it's your future, your career, whether it's uh, an emotional thing you're going through, whether it's a physical, whatever it is, Jesus is the only thing that is consistent. I think that, you know, this lady, she would have come away from this, this moment with God going, who was it that I encountered? I mean, yeah, her daughter was healed. She would have been rejoicing. But I bet you deep down, she was just going, what happened to me? What happened when I met this Jesus? So, you know, this woman, she had great faith. And I just want to share four points or four keys that I believe from her story we can really take away to grow in our fearless faith uh, and learn a few things from, from her life. So the first thing is, is that we need to come to God on our knees. There's no other way to say it. You know, there needs to be a place in our, in our Christian walk where we are on our knees before God. And, you know, and, I, and I, to be honest, I think this is a real challenge for the church in the West because we've been used to standing and worshipping God. We've been used to rushing about. You know, that's the truth. We've been used to getting up and getting to, to the gym. We've been used, not me, but others. We've been used to getting up and heading into, to, there's so many things we've had to, but, I, but the truth is, is that we need to come to God on our knees. There needs to be a place where we're reverent before God and we just submit and we surrender to Him. Actually, personally, that's really challenging. I think even for me, I wanted to be really intentional from last week about getting on my knees before God every day and it didn't happen. And I got to the end of the week and thought, man, I was, I was going to be, you know, on my knees before God maybe twice. And I was thinking, man, like this is actually harder than I thought to really find the place and the time to get on my knees before God and just surrender my life to Him. So we need to come to God and worship and surrender to Him afresh. And I, I honestly think that it's a small act, but it makes a big difference. You know, uh, the analogy I got when I was praying into this was, you know, you think of a hot air balloon. And I don't know if everyone's ever been in a hot air balloon, but... There's the, the, the balloon and the basket at the bottom, which is, you know, and there's a small little uh, release of flame. And it's, you know, it's not a very big part of it, but it's a small injection of heat that goes up. And it changes the course and the direction and the elevation of the whole balloon over a period of time. But all it is is a small little burst. You know, and I think that's a little bit like on our knees. It's a small act, but it actually changes a lot of the direction of where we're going in our lives. So we want to have a fearless faith. Let's come to God on our knees before him and follow this woman's example. Even when God's silent, even when there's silence, even when there's a feeling like God's not there and you're just not hearing anything. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been through, you know, you go through times where it's just like, man, God, are you even in this? Are you even there? Do you even care? And you're just thinking, man, but those are the, those are the times when we need to follow this woman's example. And be like, no, God, I'm still going to come in. I'm still going to put my knees before you and surrender to you. The second point is, after surrendering to God, is don't give up. Don't give up. Turn to someone and say, don't give up. We've got to have some persistence in our life. We've got to push through some of the things that we're going to experience. You know, her love for her daughter was what drove her to Jesus. She was persisting. She was standing in the gap. She had faith in Jesus. Her pain was greater than her pride. 
and she stood in the gap for her daughter. And maybe you're standing in the gap for someone in your life. Maybe you're standing in the gap for a, a friend or a family member to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're standing in the gap for someone to be healed or to be set free. And maybe you've done it in faith and in love. But now just add a little bit of this persistence. Persist in God. James 1.3 says, so, uh, The testing of our faith produces perseverance. You know, that's what it produces is this persistency and this perseverance in our lives. And persistence, you know, it's probably one of the qualities that actually really in our long terms of our life helped us, helps us get from where we are to where God wants us to be. You know, it's not like we just slip into it by accident. You know, you don't, you don't just fall into all that God has for you just on mistake. There requires these things. And part of that is this persistence and this willingness not to give up. And I heard on Friday night, great story, and, and, and one of the things I heard was, don't give up. You know, don't give up. Uh, and, and it's one of those things. It's so, you know, man, there's a, there's a culture of giving up sometimes that we live in. But God is saying, don't give up. Whatever you're facing right now, you know, don't quit. Maybe it's a job you've started and you're just really struggling in it. Maybe it's a new venture. Maybe you're looking for a new house or whatever it is. God knows, but don't give up. Don't give up in the midst of it. Let persistent do it, persistence do its work in your life so that there's a fruit of the Spirit that you can say you've grown in God and you've moved on from where you are to where you want to be. Be persistent in God and let that persistence grow so that you can have fearless faith in your lives. The third area is listen to the right voices. We've got to have ears to hear. You know, this woman, she could have easily been distracted by the disciples and the way that they just simply dismissed her. She could have easily just kind of you know, rocked up, tried to get through, found that she wasn't being able to get through and decided, oh, is it really worth it? You know, can I be bothered putting up, you know, even the disciples telling her to go away and be discouraged? We could easily listen to those voices in our lives where they say the things, and maybe they mean well, but they're not actually truth. They're not actually the things that we need to hear. Matthew eleven fifteen says, anyone who has ears should listen and understand. It's something that Jesus said all the time. That was a common phrase. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What we listen to will shape our life. You know, and honestly, just on a minute on this, you know, I mean, the media today, you, when you talk about ears to hear and a heart to understand, you know, the media today will, will tell us everything they want to tell us. I saw something on um, the other day, like a picture, and it said, uh, we used to be told uh, a breaking story. Um, and we, we had to interpret, you know, uh, what, what was happening. Or oh, I can't quite remember now. Oh, it was really good when I thought about it yesterday. <laughs> I think it was like, yeah, the first picture was someone telling the, new, the news story, breaking news, and we had to determine uh, whether, you know, what was actually going on, something like that. And then the second picture was, um, no, I can't remember. Anyway, it was a great picture. If I find it one day, I'll share it with you. The thought is, is that, you know, it used to be, here's the truth, this is what's happening. Now it is, let's tell you our story, our narrative on things, you know, and often you miss the complete truth of the story. I guess what I'm saying is be really careful about what you receive into your life. You know, it's so easy to listen to things through social media or through news or through whatever is out there, uh, even through family and friends, you know. You've got to be ears to hear and eyes to see, you know, yeah, that spirit of discernment needs to be in your life, hearing, what are you saying to me, God? Because often people mean well, but God knows what's best for you. And that's where this book, reading this, reading this book day in and day out, is your anchor, is your direction, is 
what can actually shape and send you in the right path. That's we're hearing God's voice in prayer. You know, you don't need to be a Bible scholar. Honestly, I mean, I'm not a Bible scholar. You guys know that. But you don't need to be someone that knows everything about this book. You just need to be willing to read something and apply it to your life. Just read it and obey it. That's as simple as that. And meditate on it. Ask God, what are you saying to me through this? Be willing to be a student of what the book says. You know, this mother, she listened to what Jesus was saying. She listened to what he was saying. You know, he was saying those, the, that word, you know, dog or little dog. She heard what he was saying. She heard it. She could understand that actually he's opening the doorway for me. And she went further. Actually, this is what he was saying. And she pursued that. So, you know, be careful what you hear and listen to what God is saying to you. And the last key I want to share is that simply she believed. In her heart, she believed. She believed that God could do something for her. And, you know, and for us, you know, there's times I think when we get to a point where maybe our belief in God has, has just got right down to a, a low point, you know. Like our dams in Waitakere, we've, we've just come right down to the lowest point where we've almost lost, we've, we've kind of lost sight of whether God is for us. We can't even, you know, and we're, we're struggling to go, do we really believe in God? But ultimately, like this woman, she did believe. She believed in her heart that God could do something for her. She didn't have all the background she needed, but she knew that Jesus could do a miracle. And if you can find in your heart the faith to believe, Jesus, I need a miracle. Jesus, can you do a miracle for me? He's willing to meet you at that point. He's willing to meet you. Whatever faith you have, he will come in on the scene and meet you at that point if you can believe. Mark 9, 24 says, uh, where the disciples said, you know, Lord, uh, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I, I believe there's levels of this. You know, there's levels of faith. There's that, there's that no belief. You know, the scriptures say that Jesus couldn't do any miracles because there was no belief. And then there's that uh, oligopistos, which is that little faith, you know, and there's that small amount of faith. And then there's like these guys, you know, I have belief, but help me in my unbelief. And then there's this woman of great faith. The scriptures actually only record Jesus talking about people of great faith twice, and they were both non-Jewish people. One was the, uh, was the uh, Roman centurion, and the other woman was this woman. Those were the two people that had great faith. Joyce Meyer says, um, with faith, you've got to use it or lose it when it comes to faith. If you've got faith, you've got to lose it. Uh, if you've got faith, you've got to use it. I, all I had right there was a picture of Joyce Meyer in my head, you know, and that. But hey, if Joyce says it, you've got to do it, man. Use it or lose it. And don't lose it. We don't want to lose our faith. We want our faith to go from strength to strength, from one step to the In fact, it doesn't matter where your faith is at, honestly. God's not lining people up and addressing, you know. He's looking at you going, wherever your faith is at, just take a little step beyond that. Wherever your faith is at, just go a little increment beyond that and grow in your faith. So in conclusion this morning, as the worship team, if you guys want to come up, what do you need fearless faith for? What do you need your fearless faith for? Maybe it is for your job or for your marriage or for your health. Maybe it's for finances or for courage. Maybe you need fearless faith to ask someone for forgiveness. Maybe you need fearless faith just to uh, live each day knowing that God is real, that he does do miracles, but you just need your faith to grow a little bit by a little bit. Maybe you need fearless faith for the future and you're anxious about tomorrow. You know, or maybe you need fearless faith just to know how to you know, apply yourself in the areas that God's gifted you and the things that he's put in your life. 
or maybe you need fearless faith for, you know, whatever it is, courage to live for today. I want to encourage you this morning, take a step, a step closer in fearless faith. Don't just remain where you're at in your faith, but have the courage to step forward in your faith. Listen to the right voices. You know, don't, don't waste time listening to voices that aren't going to help. Listen to the right voices and don't give up. You know, don't give up. Let persistence do its work in your heart so that you've actually, at the end of it, got something to say, man, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my God is real. Let that work carry, it, carry itself out in your life. And ultimately, man, don't lose faith in God. God is fighting for you. God is with you. When you've got fearless faith, we can place all those things together before God, come to God knowing that He delivers on His Word and that He is real. So why don't we just stand, and I'm just going to pray. I'm going to go into a song. Yeah. Why don't you just um, close your eyes this morning, and wherever your faith is at, God knows, and He's willing to work with us. You know, the amazing thing about God is He wants us to grow in our faith. He's always developing us. He always loves us. He's always challenging us, but He pours His grace in. So wherever your faith is at 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 this morning, just allow God to grow your faith. Father, we just come to you this morning. Lord, we thank you for the story of this woman and her incredible, courageous faith. Thank you, God. Lord, even though her child was possessed by a demon and suffering terribly, she didn't let that stop her coming to you. She didn't let her life situations, her predicaments, her the things she was going through, she didn't let that become a barrier to coming to you, Jesus. And so this morning, we just, we just whatever we're facing, we put it aside and we come to you, Jesus. We come to you because we know that you are the miracle worker. You are the one that holds the key. You are the one that holds life itself. And God, we come before you. And Lord, we do, we beg, we ask God in our heart, Lord God, would you, even the tiniest crumb, Lord God, but Lord, we know that you would give us so much more. Lord, that you give us, God, grace and abundance. Lord God, and we just pray, Lord, as we come this morning, we pray, let this woman's story remind us, God, that we can come to you unashamed. We can come to you because you are a great provider. We can come to you with our needs, with our concerns, with the things we're facing. And Lord, you supply and you provide and you promise, Lord God, and you deliver on your promises. And God, you can heal, Lord God, Lord, that you are the healer. You are the Messiah. Lord, every demon spirit in hell bows to the name of Jesus. And so, God, we just bring our lives before you and we pray. Help us to have great faith. Help us to have a fearless faith, God, in today's world. Lord, even though things are shaking, Lord God, we just lift our eyes and our trust, Lord God, to you. Lord, help us to be people, God, that walk in that faith and that assurance. Lord, when others around us in our, in our work and our family, Lord, are going through difficulties, let our faith remind us that we stand on concrete promises, on a God that is not shaken. Lord, remind us, we pray. Help us not to have the attitude of the disciples, Lord God, Lord, that, uh, Lord, that, are, that are brushing things aside. Help us to be willing, Lord God, to pull out that treasure, Lord, 
in others and in ourselves, Lord God. Lord, we just pray, develop that persistence in us. Lord, and Lord, if we're about to give up in areas of our lives, Lord, if, we're, if, we're, if we want to throw in the towel, if there's people here this morning, God, that are going through those difficulties in life, Lord, I pray, God, just remind them this morning that, Father, in you, they can put all of their trust, that you are reliable, Lord God, that, Father, you are dependable. Thank you, God. Lord, we just pray, Lord God, help us not to quit, but help us to depend with all of our strength and all of our might, Lord, upon you, God. And, Lord, over everything else, help us believe. Help us believe that you are real and that, God, you are always there for us. In Jesus' mighty name. So we just receive from you this morning. Why don't you just lift your hands and the worship team are going to sing. And let's just, let's just get into God's presence this morning before we close our service.